0: Damian is 27 years old. He was born in New Jersey and is currently earning his Bachelor of Biblical Studies at the Southeast Institute of Biblical Studies in Knoxville. He formerly attended Northern Illinois University while he was living in Chicago. He's also worked in San Diego. He's interning this summer with the West End Church of Christ in Knoxville and has a great passion for sharing God's incomparable love through local evangelism, preaching, and missions. He plans to graduate in 2024, and he feels very blessed to be partnered with the eldership here in the Maryville Church of Christ uh, as this congregation is part of his support. Thank you, Herb, for the introduction. And I, I did note that the eldership here is very special, and I do really appreciate the eldership here. I didn't get to meet Artan yet. I would like to meet him if he's here tonight afterward. Uh, he might be the one on the mission trip, but yeah, he so he is. But I'll come back then. But uh, I wanted to thank you all for your support. It has been very fruitful academically finished my whole first year with the 4.0 consistently so academically going well and obviously I'm evangelizing all the time and just being led by the Lord to shine his light everywhere I go so on a mission side fruitful as well and I really appreciate that in the short time that we've been partnered together I've done the most speaking and most visitation and everything so on an academic note and active note uh, it's been very fruitful, so I appreciate, appreciate being yoked up with you guys. So the title, of, well, the title that, that I've been given of, of tonight's lesson is Conduct Yourself with Wisdom Toward Outsiders, and that's from Colossians 4, verse 5, and we'll be in Colossians tonight. If you have your Bible, I'd be in Colossians. I'd like to start by changing the title, though, to How to Walk in Wisdom Toward Those Who Are Outside, which is the King James, New King James rendering. And we'll see why later. But we'll draw a distinction right away, right off the bat. When we look at humanity, collectively, most people don't know that they need wisdom. For example, if you look this up on the internet or you ask people, which I did do, you'll see that people want to know how to get money. It has hundreds of uh, thousands of views, but people don't want to know how to grow money. So they want the substance, they don't want the wisdom that will actually sustain them. But most importantly, on a spiritual note, people don't know they need wisdom either. And we saw this with the feeding of the 5,000, with Jesus, where they wanted a bread Messiah, they wanted to keep getting fed, when he multiplied the breads and uh, the fish and the bread, but they didn't want the bread of life. They didn't want what would, what would actually sustain them going onward. They didn't want the wisdom that would sustain them going onward. But in contrast to that, God has set His people apart in Christ and abundantly blessed them with wisdom that will bless others. So, if you're in Christ, that that becomes our duty to dispel that wisdom and shine that wisdom that we've been given and set apart in because he's given it to us. And you must walk in wisdom toward those who are outside if you're a living branch of Christ. If you're a dead branch, it's no worries. But if you're a living branch that's connected to Jesus, you are to walk in wisdom toward those who are outside because that's what he did. That's where his spirit leads. That's the example we see in the text. And it's an imperative command. Walk in wisdom toward those who are outside. We'll see that the Spirit of God exposes three key things that will show us how to walk in wisdom toward those who are outside. First one is you walk knowing what just has the appearance of wisdom. What's fake wisdom? What's counterfeit wisdom? Because before you could even begin to walk in wisdom, you need to know what's legitimate and what's not. Then you could begin to walk in true wisdom. And that comes from Colossians 2.23. Paul talks about these things that have the appearance of wisdom, but they're fake. Once you poke through the appearance of wisdom, you see that there's, no, there's hot air behind it, like this false humility and the neglect of the body. And this word wisdom, we need to take note, it appears in every single chapter of Colossians. And Colossians just so happens to be the most Christ-centered book, perhaps, that we have, if not the most Christ-centered book, which is no coincidence because Jesus himself is intimately connected with wisdom. There is no wisdom aside from Christ. And as Colossians 1.16 says, it's by him and through him that all things were made, meaning that he's the source. It's in him alone that you have wisdom. So let's look at what just has the appearance of wisdom. There's two that are most pervasive today, and I would lump them in with the general New Age movement. That's very popular. You see it in every facet of society, that ideology. We're just going to focus on two things that have the appearance of wisdom within that, so as you're walking, you could detect them and know that they're not true wisdom. You could actually walk in wisdom toward those who are outside detecting that. So the first thing is asceticism, which I guess is a fancy way to say abstinence from fleshly desires. If you think of like a monk, like the stereotype of what we would think of as a Buddhist monk where he separates from the physical and tries to ascend to a higher plane spiritually on his own accord. Or what's popular now is like minimalism. That gets pushed a lot, just live with very few things and you'll become the best spiritual person you could be because you have such few spirit, uh, physical items to cling on to things like cold showers where I'm just going to do what my body doesn't want to do because in that I'll become the strongest physical, I'll become the wisest physically or spiritually because I'm resisting all these physical pleasures same with extreme discipline just whatever my flesh wants to do whatever my body wants to do, whatever is going to be comfortable, I'm not going to do that because that's, what's gonna, that's true wisdom, resisting that and walking contrary to that. But Paul says that it does nothing to stop the indulgence of the flesh. He says that, not directly, but what it really does is creates a flesh obsession. Because that idea of wisdom, you're focusing on the flesh and how you could detach from it when Christians have Christ to focus on. So that's why it has the appearance of wisdom, because you on your own accord in a fallen state trying to detach from the physical realm doesn't grant you wisdom, but it has the appearance of it. And we see why it has just the appearance of wisdom in Colossians 3, 1 through 4. Colossians 3, 1 through 4, it says, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God, So the first problem with with this uh, ideology and why it's fake wisdom is because they haven't been raised with Christ, right? So you can't set your mind on Christ and and have been raised with him if you're not in him. And so it's vanity and there's no use. It's fake wisdom to go through all that effort to detach from the physical unless you've actually been raised with Christ and you could set your mind on him. Then we read in verse 2. Set your mind on things above, not on the things of this earth. They're focusing on the physical and how they could detach from it. And the Christian that's walking in true wisdom is set, has their mind set on Christ and on the eternal. Philippians 4:8. the things that are good, the things that are noble, the things that are pure. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. If you haven't died to yourself, if you haven't, your old self hasn't been crucified and you haven't been raised with Christ, then you're never going to have true wisdom because you're trying it on your own. But if he's killed the old self that can never obtain that, he's given you true wisdom because you've been raised with him and you can now set your mind on true wisdom. And when Christ, who is our life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. True wisdom has that hope. True wisdom has a real hope. They'll appear with Christ in glory when he appears. You don't have that when you're just on your own accord trying to detach from the physical, though you may look spiritual, though you may look like you have wisdom. And additionally, all the effort is being done in darkness. Colossians 1.13 says that God has translated us. If you're in Christ, if you've been born from above, from the kingdom of darkness, the domain of darkness, into the kingdom of his dear son. So that's when true wisdom begins. But until you're translated from the kingdom of darkness, you're roaming about in darkness, trying all these strategies and these shortcuts to wisdom, no matter how hard you labor, you don't access it on your own accord because you're still in that realm of darkness. It takes God to show true wisdom. The second thing, besides abstinence from fleshly pleasures, is, is moralism. This is super popular, uh, and it goes something like this, that there's a good, moral side and an evil side. And you see this right now in the socio-political realm, Me- meaning as soon as you step outside, you interact with people, or in politics, there's a good side, a moral side, and a bad side. And the good side is God's side. The bad side is, is the evil side. So if you're on the good side, you're on God's side. But why it just has the appearance of wisdom is in Colossians 2, 6 through 8, where it says, As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Meaning... True wisdom, that walk is rooted in Christ. That's the wisdom walk. And what they do is they say this moral category, if you're against, uh, for example, LGBT or you're against um, abortion or whatever, you're on God's side. You're on the good side. But Jesus says that if if you're in Christ, that's God's side. If you're walking by his spirit and it matches with the inspired men that wrote this text, then you're on God's side. You're not on God's side if you just align with certain political ideologies, right? So beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy or empty deceit according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. And so the same thing, that it's not rooted in Christ, it's rooted in a political ideology, it's rooted in you're a good moral person, but really if it's not rooted in Christ then you're not walking in wisdom. Because you ask those same people, hey, why, I mean, you're, you're firm on this, you say you believe in Jesus, you're walking and you're against these issues, but why when you go home are you cursing? Why when you go home are you getting drunk? And I have personal experience with this and with people in my family, but that's not walking in wisdom. But it has the appearance of it because of the moral values, but as soon as you poke through it, it deflates. And so let's look at true wisdom that is not fake and not counterfeit. And I turn to Jeremiah 1023. That says, O oh Lord, I know the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man who walks to direct his own steps, meaning that true wisdom is found outside of man it's found by God. It's not by you and your own effort trying to become wise by separating from matter or the physical, and it's not by you trying to become wise by aligning with the correct ideology that's successful or that seems wise. And we see that in Galatians 2.22. Galatians 2.20 that you're crucified with Christ. It's no longer you that live, but he that lives in you. That's how you walk in true wisdom toward outsiders. That's the foundation, is that Christ lives in you. Otherwise, you're not walking in true wisdom. God has to dwell in you and guide you and walk in you to be walking in true wisdom. True wisdom isn't accessed by human labors. Whether you absorb all the philosophy in the world, you absorb all the books in the world, unless God translates you from that realm of darkness where you're trying all on your own as a fallen human to walk in wisdom, then you don't have it. That's the beauty of our faith is that God grants it. God gives it. He leads. And that's true wisdom. And it has fruit that comes with it, eternal fruit. And we also see that the fear of God in Proverbs 9.10 is the beginning of wisdom. So until you have that fear of God and still you have that reverential respect and awe of His holiness and His goodness and His power, until that happens, you haven't even begun to have wisdom the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom and so Colossians 2.3 points out that all treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden in the Father and in Christ so all this wisdom, all this knowledge is hidden in the Father and in Christ so when he does bestow his grace upon you that's when you connect with true wisdom and can begin to walk in it so God through Jesus is the source it's the most important point to know. And Colossians 1, nine, this wisdom enables you not just to know, but to carry out God's will. So you don't just know true wisdom, but you could actually walk in it. And so that's why it's our foundation tonight. And Colossians 3.9-10 talks about how you could put on, because of what Christ did, you could put on this new creation, and you could walk in step with your creator. You've been renewed in knowledge regarding, uh, according to the image of your creator. So you could now walk in step with him as you've been designed all along, which is true wisdom. So it comes from God and you can now, because he's shedded that old man off you, that old woman, and you're now walking in life and you have the new person on, you're the new creation, you can now walk in wisdom. And we see that true wisdom draws people to the ultimate source of wisdom. Paul in Colossians 4.3, he, he's asking for prayer that a door may be opened for the word, because the word brings people to true wisdom, everlasting wisdom, that produces fruit, that brings people to light. And so wisdom's like a flow or like a current, and it's unilateral, it comes down from God, through his son Jesus, and through the spirit that he gave us, and that's the same spirit that inspired the men that we read about, that we preach from today, and that we all read. So in order to walk in wisdom, you need to be connected. You need to be yoked up with the source of it. Just like John fifteen five says that Jesus is the true vine, and we are the branches. Without him, we could do nothing. If you're not connected to the vine, the source of wisdom, you don't have wisdom. Same with Colossians 2, 3, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden in, in the Father and in Christ. And so looking at Scripture and walking according to His Spirit in conjunction with it, where it fits like a glove, your whole existence fits like a glove with the account of Scripture, that's how you could detect false wisdom even when it has the appearance of it. And with that foundation, then you could start walking in, in wisdom, in real wisdom, And so now that we know that, now that we could detect it and we know if we're walking in true wisdom, now we could talk about how to walk in that wisdom toward outsiders. And the first thing is that you walk redeeming the time, you walk making the most of every opportunity, most of the opportunity. And that's in our verse tonight. It says uh, to walk in wisdom toward those who are outside. Last part of that verse, redeeming the time. So that's the first thing. If you want to walk in the wisdom toward outsiders, you redeem the time. You make the most of the opportunity. And you must always remember the world we live in. Uh, you have to have spirit vision. You have to remember 2 Corinthians 4.4 4, that this world that we all live in that we'll leave from this auditorium and exist in outside of this uh, bubble is run by Satan. That 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 says that Satan is the god of this world and he's blinded the minds of unbelievers from seeing the truth of the gospel, the light of it. And so that'll help us redeem the time and knowing that people are blinded or we were blinded, and now we wanna make sure that people could tap into true wisdom and, and have the, the blindfolds ripped off and finally see and be filled with the light of life too. So we're more inclined to redeem the time if we see poor souls blinded out there and, and the reality of it and that we were once that soul, ourselves. Ephesians 5.16 says very bluntly to redeem the time for the days are evil. It's not a fantasy world we live in right now where it's like, uh, where we could ignore the spiritual reality of it in a sense if you want to be a living branch of Christ. But someone who walks in the wisdom of God redeems the time because they know the days are evil. And they know that all that matters is not that their state, that they've had their eyes open, but that they reach out with the hand of wisdom and shine his truth so people could become unblinded and set free themselves. No one is promised tomorrow. James 4.14 says that our life's but a vapor and souls matter everywhere. So when we go to the store or something like that, you know, those are people we see and then they disappear the next moment. That quarterback at 35, I can't remember how old he was, passed away. That was in my thing when I went to the internet. That's an anomaly, but people just disappear from your life, even if they don't die. And our life is a vapor, so someone who walks in the wisdom of God seizes that opportunity. Because they know that the person at the store is a soul, too. They know that they're an eternal soul. They have the soul vision to know the world we live in, that most people are getting dragged down and struggling to find true wisdom or, or not even know they need it. And you've been blessed with it by the grace of God, if you're in Christ, So, redeem the time and and pull them in. Let Him pull them in through you. We learn in Ecclesiastes that people come and go with no eternal hope. It says, generations come, generations go, just like in time's sake, one generation will be wiped out of this auditorium, then the next one, then the next one, coming and going. And all that matters is that they had an eternal hope and they were rooted in Christ, so they don't just come and go. They actually go into heaven, they stay with the Creator. So it's an urge to redeem the time. Mark sixteen fifteen. Jesus says to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. So do that, preach. Because people are coming and going, things fly by. So a person who walks in the wisdom of God, just like Jesus did, redeems the time. They aren't wasting it. We sing that song, The Gospel is for All. And uh, one of the lyrics is, Why should we be blessed alone? And the question is, why would you leave someone with the opportunity not to be eternally blessed? If you sing that, which I know we have because it's very popular, why should we be blessed alone? If you believe that, then redeem the time. Uh, That's the wisdom of God. That's true wisdom. That's how to walk in wisdom toward outsiders. And if you knew people, this is a Jonathan Edwards illustration, but I added to it. But if you knew people were walking around on rotten ground that could give way at any spot or any moment, would you this is the part I asked. If you knew that people were walking around on that kind of ground that could give way at any moment, would you make small talk with them? And Matthew 12:36 says we'll give an account for every idle word on the day of judgment. And that's not that shouldn't be like threatening. It's true. But the point is, if you knew the reality that people were stumbling around and and suffering without the light of life in them, why would you waste time with extended small talk? And small talk could be used as a tool for sure to share share the gospel and present the light. But why would you not redeem the time? Why would you make extended small talk while they're roaming about and they could drop at any moment? That's That's not the love of Christ and that's not walking in true wisdom toward those who are outside. And so we need to redeem the time, as commanded, and and not be selfish when we interact with souls. So yesterday, I had a really bad headache, and so I took this extended nap. I woke up from the nap, and I went outside to my car, and this guy is coming in a truck to deliver a package, and I just didn't want to interact with him, right, because I woke up from this nap, I saw a residual headache and I'm convicted especially cuz I'm working with this text and I I know he's a soul. And so I'm kind of ignoring him. I'm in my car, I'm doing my thing, but then I ask him. I say, "Hey, you know, we're interacting. I suck it up. I say, I can't be selfish. He's a soul. He's going to be gone the next time. I never know if I'm going to see him again." I say, "How are you doing spiritually?" And he wasn't doing as well as he should. He knew the Lord, but he wasn't doing as well as he should. And that was an opportunity to redeem the time and put his mindset on on the eternal again, put his mindset on something that mattered. If I made small talk with him or if I'd I'd talk nonsense with him, he would have just gone in in his darkness and in his focus on the the carnal and the perishable. So we can't be selfish with souls. Really, it's hard. It's not easy to, you know, uh, do it, especially because people hate the gospel. People in darkness hate the light. But if you're walking in the wisdom of God, you do redeem the time. You do throw it out there, because that's what matters. That's what brings people to life and true wisdom. And we're ready to snatch some out of the fire, if need be. We're ready to redeem that time, Jude 23. But but something to consider is that Jesus didn't waste time with souls on his mission. Luke 19.10 says that he came to seek and save the lost, which he accomplished, and he did. He didn't waste any time. We don't see instances of Jesus wasting time, so if we are walking in wisdom, if we are in Christ and do have access to true wisdom, why are we wasting time? Why are we not redeeming the time? Our Lord did that. So if we're walking in him, we ought to be doing the exact same thing. Third thing, third and final. In order to walk in wisdom toward those who are outside, you don't just redeem the time, you don't just discern what's fake wisdom and real wisdom and walk in that, but you walk always letting your speech be with grace, seasoned with salt, and that comes from Colossians 4, 6. It's the very next verse after our topic tonight. And if you notice, Colossians 4, 5, our key verse tonight, walk in wisdom toward those who are outside— If you look at verses 3 to 4, it's about Paul talking about a door opening for the good news to come through, that he may speak as he ought to, that it may be made manifest, the good news. And then the verse right below our key verse, verse 6, is is about letting your speech be with grace, seasoned with salt. And so our key verse is encapsulated within the context of good news speech. So that's the main point right here. If If you are walking in wisdom, And if you want to walk in wisdom toward those who are outside, it involves speaking the good news. Either way, you cut it from the top or from the bottom. Our speech is to reflect the amazing grace which has been bestowed upon us. James 3.17. We'll go there to get a taste. James 3.17. But our speech toward those who are outside, if we're to walk in wisdom, how could it not reflect the grace that's been bestowed upon us, which showed us true wisdom that we didn't find by seeking out ourselves, but by the grace of God he gave us and exposed to us, how could it, we our speech not reflect the grace that's been bestowed upon us? Because the wisdom that is from above, James 3.17, is, is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And so that's the wisdom that we've been blessed with by God's grace, and so our speech in grace should reflect that, peaceable, gentle, because that's, that's how we walk in true wisdom, and that's what draws people, right? Or they hate it, but that's, that's what happened to our Lord too. And so our speech needs to be seasoned with salt too meaning our message is relevant, flavorful, and life-giving. So as we're conducting ourselves, we're walking in wisdom toward those who are outside, Our, our speech is seasoned with salt, and it's relevant, and it brings life and understanding to that person, meaning that what they need in their life, we know that there's an eternal symptom behind it, whether they mask it with a bad relationship or with drugs or whatever their thing is, and Jesus heals that eternal symptom. And we're a living witness of that by His grace. And so our speech has salt in it. Our speech is grace seasoned with salt. And everyone is a gospel preacher. It's not just just the guy that preaches on Sunday and Wednesday. It's not just Travis. It's not just whoever is at the pulpit. Uh, Everyone is a good news preacher as they obey that command to walk in wisdom toward outsiders, because that's what it entails. If you walk in wisdom, if you are walking in wisdom at all toward those who are outside, it involves the good news coming out of your mouth. It involves you being that vessel to let the wisdom out. And so you're speaking of things like Colossians two, thirteen to 15, life-giving speech, that Jesus brought you from death to life, that he could do the same for you, whoever you're talking to that he did forgive you, that he did set you free, and that you have the victory in him. Meaning whatever you're struggling with, he overcame the demons, he overcame the principalities and the powers. And so that's the salt, that's the grace that comes out, that people have an opportunity to see true wisdom and Lord willing be drawn to it. And God could expose them to that too. And just like Jesus did, you're giving thanks to God because he's your father. If he is indeed your father, if you do walk led by him, that's Colossians 1:12 and 3:17. If you're walking in true wisdom, all the glory goes to your heavenly Father. That's a good sign because that's what Jesus did. And so you know you're walking in true wisdom if all the glory for everything in your life gets pointed upward because you know that you didn't earn the wisdom, you didn't earn the grace, and it all points upward to him. And just like Jesus did, you're warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom. Emphasize on the wisdom in, in those verses, Colossians 1.28 and 3.16. So if your, grace is, your speech is to be with grace, seasoned with salt, and you are walking in true wisdom, you're going to be warning and you're going to be teaching people too. Because that's what builds up, that's what encourages people and matures them in Christ. And that's how, you, if you're walking in wisdom, you're walking with the body of Christ. So you're teaching, you're warning, you're giving life-giving speech. So, if you have been brought from death to life by God's amazing grace, you understand what true wisdom is because God's bestowed it upon you. God's blessed you with it. And the command to walk in wisdom toward those who are outside, when we ask that question, involves those three key things. You're to walk in wisdom toward them knowing how to spot the fake wisdom Right, So you could spot the counterfeit and you could assure, check the scriptures and your life as you walk fits like a glove in this. So you know you're walking in true wisdom. That's from the Holy Ghost. That's from the Holy Spirit and not a counterfeit. You walk in wisdom toward them by redeeming the time. You're making the most of every opportunity. That's how you know you're walking in wisdom toward those who are outside. You're not letting souls pass by. You're not selfish with with your time or their time. And you walk in wisdom toward them by letting God guide your tongue in the interaction. Just like Jesus, everything he did and spoke was by the Father. Same thing. Our speech is, by, is with grace, seasoned with salt. It's all led by him and his goodness that he's bestowed upon us. That's walking in wisdom. It has nothing to do with us. has everything to do with Jesus' character and his spirit in us and leading us in direct accordance with what we see in the Word with everyone who walked in wisdom. And so if you are a Christian, and you know you haven't been walking in wisdom, no one does it perfectly. We all do mess up, but if you know you haven't been redeeming the time, you haven't been watching your speech, you haven't been walking in wisdom with your speech, or you just have been walking in false wisdom, the counterfeit, repent, we'll pray for you, that's what we're here for, so we could walk away all walking in the same path of wisdom and Lord willing, drawing people to the truth. And if you're not Christian, you're, you're blinded. And we all were, and Satan's blinded us, and we're trying to find wisdom in every corner, trying to find fulfillment in every corner, but Satan's blinded you. And it's by the grace of God that you could have those uh, blindfolds off and that you could finally see and be made whole. So I urge you, if you're not Christian, to come up while we stand and sing. And let him show you wisdom, begin to walk in his wisdom, be baptized in him and start that walk so you could walk in wisdom toward those who are outside as well. So come up while we stand and sing.